Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. And so we do believe that God is with us, and one of the reasons why we stand for the reading of God's Word is a reminder that the presence of God, the Word made flesh, is with us this morning. So today our scripture comes from Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's Holy Word. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nan, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, and the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. And so, Lord, we pray that as we are here, that your presence would be with us. We would know that we are not alone and that you would see us here and that we would know that we are being seen by you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Have you ever felt invisible? Like if that nobody even noticed that that you were there, maybe you were at a a gathering of of some sort and everybody else seemed to be talking and and you just exited quietly and silently away. Maybe even you were in a gathering full of people and even though people were talking to you, they didn't really see you. They they said the, hi, how are you doing? But they, they weren't really caring about what your response might be. The weight of the world may have felt like it was on your face, but people just looked over you or looked past you. Have you ever felt unseen or utterly alone? Last week, as we began the sermon series on Give Me Jesus, we we talked about the importance of solitude with God, but there's a big difference between being uh, alone with God and feeling alone. And even in a big crowd of people, there are times in which you and I can just feel invisible, that nobody would notice you, nobody is paying attention. And my guess is that in this room right now, there are some of you, or some of you who are watching this, who just feel alone. You feel like nobody knows what your struggle is, that nobody really sees you, and that you feel alone. In fact, um, there's some work that's been done to study loneliness in our culture and in our society, and uh, best we can tell is that a quarter of the people feel like they don't have any confidants. One out of four people feel alone most of the time. And so if that's you today, I want you to know that God is here with you and God sees you 
and he knows you. And there's some beauty in this story for those of us who feel alone. Now, there are some very, very painful words in our scripture today. You probably heard them today. A widow's only son. Those four words say a lot, don't they? They tell you of somebody who has experienced a lot of of grief, a, a widow, somebody who's lost their spouse, and also somebody who lost their only son. Now, being a pastor, I have the, the privilege to walk with people in the midst of grief, particularly as they lose a loved one. And I know people in this room, we've walked together through some grief that has occurred. And, and grief is a weird and mysterious thing. One of the things that I, I said in the early service, and I had a few people who, who pointed this out, and they said, Aaron, that's true, is that nobody knows your grief. Uh, sometimes whenever somebody, somebody dies and we'll say things that, that we mean well, but they're really not true. We say, well, I know what you're feeling. And the truth is, is that nobody knows what you're feeling. Even if I had lost the same person that you had lost, that doesn't mean that I know or understand what you are feeling in this moment. Grief is unique. It is particular. It is cruel. And there is no timetable. And it's not just that happens with death, though that's a lot of times what happens, but there are a lot of reasons in which we grieve, and this grief can overwhelm and overtake us. And so grieving is not easy because nobody understands. And there are sometimes we're still grieving years or even decades later what happened to us or somebody we lost because grief isn't something that just happens, but it continues to happen. And it continues to happen. I remember talking to one gentleman and, and he was talking about how every room that he walked in, he was reminded of his wife who recently passed. Songs, smells, times and seasons all bring up this pain. And, and what happens is, is that when we are grieving, we often feel even more alone. And so I imagine what this woman was going through had to be this great grief that sort of overwhelmed and overtook everything, but it is particularly difficult in those days because this woman was on the verge of not just feeling alone, but of being alone. And so in those days, there was really a patriarchal culture that was happening, which meant that the oldest male of a household was the one who took care of everything. One of the scriptures that we often say during funerals is, in my father's house, there are many rooms. I have gone to prepare a place for you. Now, we think that this is God talking about heaven. This is Jesus describing heaven. But really, it was using this earthly idea that the people then would have understood to understand, oh, this is what happens. Because in those days, the oldest male that was living and all the following relatives were brought to the Bet Ab, the, the father's house. And so whenever a, a son would get married, then they would move into the father's compound. This was the way that it would go. And so they would add a room. I don't know why my phone, my watch does that, but they would just add rooms to the father's house. How would you like to move in with your father-in-law, right? This was the normal way. So in those days, the oldest living male had the responsibility of caring for others. So if you were a widow, you lost the oldest male, and if you had no sons, you had no place to go. And so throughout Scripture, Scripture reminds us to care for those who are systematically outsiders, 
particularly widows, orphans, and immigrants. And so here it is that multiple times in Scripture, it talks about that we are, the Lord watches over and we are too as well. Psalm 146 says this, the Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. Exodus 22 says it very uh, bluntly, let's just say, you shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will burn and I will kill you with the sword and your wives shall become widows and your children fatherless. Not very often do we read scriptures where God says, I will kill you with the sword. But this is the seriousness that he has of taking care of these people who would be on the outside of the world and of outside of the norm. James in the New Testament says it this way, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. And so the movement of God is to go to those people who are on the outside, those people who feel alone. And surely this is what this woman would have been feeling. Not only does she have to deal with the grief of losing her son and the overwhelming emotion that comes from from bearing a child, but also she had to be thinking in the future about what was going to happen to her. Where was she going to stay that night? Where, who was going to take care of her in two years or in five years? She had nowhere to go. She was an outsider. Was, was she going to have to beg for mercy for the rest of her days? Were the clothes that she was wearing, the clothes that she was going, the only clothes that she was going to have, who was going to take care of her? And I don't know about you, but, but sometimes in life, uh, when something happens, I begin to think through all the things that might happen. Now, recently, I got, some, uh, I got some language for this. It's called future tripping. And I would imagine that there are some of you out here who are future trippers. I know that because I've had conversations with some of you, and we've worried about all these things that might happen. It's a very natural thing, right? I see what's going on in the, in the world today with Ukraine and Russia, and it's almost impossible not to, not to future trip about what might happen in the days, weeks, months, or even years ahead. As some of you know, there's some uh, just denominational turmoil going on in the United Methodist Church, and it's easy for me to think about what might be or what could be in the possible future that exists, right? And this happens with our own life. Whenever we go through something, we begin to think about all these possibilities, and we worry about what is, what's going to happen in six months or a year. If this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, then that might happen. Right, And we have a, just a never-ending web of mites, or coulds, or maybes. And some of you are so gifted at worrying that you have the ability to worry about all of these mites. And, and you spend so much time worrying about the mites that you, you miss out on what is. And so one of the gifts that we are called to do is to live life one day at a time. And to understand that, that, yes, there are things that we need to be prepared for in the future, but we can't be prepared for everything. And that God is calling us to, to live in the moment. Jesus said, why do you spend so much time worrying about tomorrow when today has enough troubles of its own? And so I think that there is this danger 
of, of future tripping. And this woman could have been very guilty from it. But in the midst of her pain and misery, do you hear what the scriptures said? When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Now, this is a really kind of an incredible scene if you would imagine it in Scripture. And so Jesus and his disciples and a crowd, we don't know exactly how many, but there is this crowd of people that's heading one way. And they they have just recently come from some healings. You can imagine there is energy and there is excitement. There is life. And then on the other side is a funeral procession. Now, being a pastor, I've been involved in in numerous funeral processions. I've, I've been a part of funeral processions where we've had motorcycles on the highway stop traffic. That's pretty neat. But I've also, the most, uh, me, the most memorable one happened when I was out in Lafleur County. Anybody ever been to Lafleur County? Out there in eastern Oklahoma. And so when I was out in Muldrow, we were in Sequoia County, but I, I did the the funeral at the church, and then we went down to the graveside down in Lafleur County. And, and while we were on our way there, the, there was, uh, the hearse was the first car, and I was the second car um, to go down to the, the graveside. And there was this line of cars behind us, all with our lights on, all going down the road. And, and as we were going down some country road, a two-lane road, on the other side coming towards us was an ambulance with its lights on. Now, I was expecting, because I have been well-trained, that when you see an ambulance with the lights on, that you pull over to the side of the road and you let it go past. That's pretty important. Let the ambulance go really fast. Now, I've also been trained that when you see a funeral procession, you get to the side of the road and you let it pass. And so I just assumed that, as, that, that the living would take precedence over the dead. But I was wrong. And so it was that as I looked ahead in shock, the ambulance pulled over to the side of the road while the funeral procession moved on. I called Tad Rhodes. He was the funeral home director. We had a good relationship. And I was like, Tad, why didn't we pull over? And he said, nothing stops us. I thought, well, I think that's wrong. But I wasn't in a place to be able to say anything there. And so I almost imagine the dominance that happens whenever there's a funeral procession. It can, all of a sudden, you know, if you've ever, if you've ever been stopped in traffic by one, even if you're busy, you take the moment and you think, whatever I am going to probably isn't as important as what they're doing. And it pauses us. And you can almost imagine the celebration and the life that was happening. And then as this funeral procession, as people are walking and marching and mourning, how everything stops, including Jesus. And somehow in the midst of these two crowds, Jesus sees this woman. In the middle of the crowd, overwhelmed by grief and loneliness, he has compassion for her. He sees her in the midst of everything else, in the midst of what might be going on in her head and what might be going on in her heart. He overflows with compassion. He stops what he's doing. He says, don't cry. Then he walked over to the coffin. He touched it. And he said, young man, I tell you, get up. And the dead boy sat up and began to talk. 
and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Can you imagine how that funeral procession turned into a parade of joy and celebration? And maybe there are some of you who are in this moment who are, who are feeling this great grief because you wish Jesus could have done that for you. That in your time of difficulty and strife, of pain, whether it be the loss of a loved one or, or something else, you said, Jesus, why couldn't you have raised mine like you raised her? And I don't have a great answer for you. I don't always know why one person gets healed and another doesn't. I don't always know why these losses and accidents happen. What I know from this story and from other stories is that you are not unseen in your pain. Is that Jesus sees you in your grief. Is that he has compassion for you. In fact, he is overwhelmed and overflowed with compassion. He sees you, and while nobody else knows your pain, He does. There's an old song. It says, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows but Jesus. And Jesus truly does know you. And he truly loves you and meets you there. You know, one of the things I I say is that people need to be seen, they need to be known, and they need to be valued. We, we need to know that, that Jesus sees us, that even when nobody else does, and, and nobody else is going to understand, but Jesus is going to see, and Jesus understands, and Jesus values you. He valued this woman who would have been an outcast, who would have been an other in society, and he loves and values you, and he knows your pain. You are not alone. Jesus has gone before you to bring you life. And to be with you. And so I hope that you know this. You are seen, you are known, and you are valued. God loves you so much that he sent his only son into this world. So that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You are loved beyond compare. And because we are loved, because we are seen and known and valued by God... We are called to see, to know, and to value others. It is something that we first receive, and then it's something that we offer. One of the ways in which we help other people is to see them, is to know them, and is to value them. We are to be seen and to be seers. Uh, This was really epitomized really well a few years ago in a song called Give Me Your Eyes. Uh, Maybe some of you remember it. Here's how the second verse goes. Step out on a busy street, see a girl and our eyes meet does her best to smile at me, to hide what's underneath. There's a man just to her right, black suit and a bright red tie, too ashamed to tell his wife he's out of work, he's buying time. All those people going somewhere, why have I never cared? Give me your eyes for just one second, give me your eyes so I can see. Everything that I keep missing, give me your love for humanity, Give me your arms for the brokenhearted, the ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. And so we, as the people of God, are called to be the eyes and the hands and the voice of God to reach out to people who are feeling unseen, unloved, and invisible. We are called to look 
And we often will find what we're looking for. If we are looking for people who are hurting, we will see them. We will notice the girl on the street or the man with the bright red tie. We will notice the people who are hurting. We will notice the people who are missing. And I wonder how often people don't return to a place or don't continue in a place because they didn't feel missed. How often do people not come to a church or return to a church because nobody missed them? And this is what we are called to do, is to be the hands, the feet, the eyes, and the voice of God inviting them to come. And so it can happen that so time, sometimes we get so focused on our own struggles, on our own life, on our own church, that we miss out and we don't see what's up and above. We're so busy looking down that we forget to look out. And it's really easy to do. But God has called us to look up and to see other people. And, and I've really been encouraged to see how that has happened in our church, especially recently. And so it was the, this fall that we started a, a new ministry called Meal and Ministry to Go. And what we do on Wednesday night is that we, we take food to some of our members who are homebound or people who are um, in need. Even sometimes people who have um, recently had a surgery or something will go and take them a meal. Um, I think this past week we delivered something like 27 meals. Now the, the food is good and we're excited about that. But the bigger part is that people are feeling seen. People who used to fill these pews and can't get out anymore are being visited by our people, and they, are, they look forward, again, to the food, but more to the friends, to the people who are there and say, I see you. Now, what happens is, is that as we turn our gaze outward, we begin to see even more things that we missed before. And so um, one of those days, while one of those men was delivering food, he noticed that the yard could use some work. And so uh, they gathered a, a group of guys, and sure enough, they took care of that yard. And then they noticed other yards, right? It's amazing what happens when you, when you begin to notice things. You see them everywhere. And so a new ministry sprang forth called the Carpenter's Hands, which are these group of men and women who go out and they, 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 they clean up yards uh, for those who are in need. And, and they do it not only for people who are in our church, but also for people in our community. One of my favorite stories from that group is that uh, there was a group and they were cleaning a, a church member's yard. And while they were cleaning that, her, her neighbors, I think on both sides, came out. And uh, they were wondering, what's going on? Because whenever we do the work of God, people wonder, what is going on? And so they, um, they came out and they said, well, let's just go ahead and take care of your front yard and let's clean that up as well. Because that's who we are. We're the kind of people that would clean up the yards of people who need it. And that's who we are as a church, is we want to be the place to do that. And so that's why on April the 2nd, we're going to be having what we are calling Serve Day. It's our opportunity to serve God, to serve Mustang, and to serve our church. Now, we've said some ridiculous things in a little bit that we've talked about it. And one of those is that we want to have 200 people who are serving God this morning of April the 2nd. We want to have people who are out and about in our community and at our church who are serving and who are making a difference. So we have, we're organizing team, our Carpenter's Hand team. They're, they're working on, on projects and working on recruiting team leaders who would be recruiting team members so that we can get to that 200 mark. We're going to find different ways to serve our community, and we want you to be a part of it. 
For us to have 200 people, we need everybody in this room to do something. And the other thing is, is we want you to invite people to serve alongside with you. There are people who will not come in these doors until they have gathered outside these doors with you in service. They're more interested in loving their neighbors than they are in loving God. And so we want to meet them where they are, which is to love their neighbors. And so people will be more likely to say, will you help me go rake yards of some widows in our community? They'll say yes to that before they ever say yes to saying, will you come to worship with me? And so what if we did that and they realized that us church people are weird in a wonderful way? That, we, that this is not just something we do, but this is a part of who we are, is that we look after widows and orphans in their distress and in their need. And so we're going to invite you to sign up to serve. Um, you go to our website, mustangumc.org, backslash serve, um, and let us know that you're interested in coming. It'll take you about 45 seconds. Now, not only are we going to be doing some manual labor, of course, but we're also going to be doing some relational labors of love. And so if you think, you know what, I'm really not gifted to be able to rake leaves or do other sort of manual labor projects. I think we're painting a barn as well. But I can sit and I can talk to somebody. You can do that. And we're going to have opportunities to just be with people and meet them where they are. So if you sign up, um, again, April the 2nd, um, we also, we'd love for you to sign up so we know how many shirts to order because we are going to have shirts that we're going to wear so that when people are out in the community, they see what we're doing and they know who we are. One of the most transformative events in my own life has been Youth Force. I know some of you are familiar with Youth Force. This church hosted it uh, many years ago. But um, for me, I, I went the first time when I was in seventh grade. And it was an amazing experience for me to, to spend a week of my, of my life to be able to go and to work on a home. And to, uh, I've, I've roofed, I've painted, I've scraped, I've helped build ramps. I've done a variety of different things because that's been the mission of God. But what stays with me are not my projects that I've done, but the people that we served. And working with these homeowners and seeing that, and one of the gifts that they have is these people often feel unseen or unloved is I would imagine that every time they walk into their house or they go up their ramp they think somebody cared enough to love me and that God saw me in my time of need and we can do that for other people and so again April the 2nd we'd love for you to join us we'd love for you to invite some people to join us they can sign up on the website they'll get a free shirt too it'll be wonderful and so today and this week, I just pray that we'd have our eyes up and we'd be looking for the people who might feel invisible. We might be looking for the people who are hurting. We might pause and when we ask somebody, how are you doing, we would actually mean it. And just be still and say, hey, I'm thinking of you. One of the best things that you can do is if something reminds you of somebody, just tell them. If you hear a song and you know it's somebody's favorite song, just tell them, I heard this song and I know you love this song. 
If you drive past or you see a television show and somebody looks like somebody, tell them. You say, hey, you look like so-and-so. Because you never know how often people feel invisible. And what if we can help people to feel seen and loved and to be the hands and feet of Jesus? Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.